In this episode of The Ziggler Show, I have Donald Miller back on the show for the third time. Don is one of my all-time favorite authors. I mean, his memoirs such as A Million Miles and A Thousand Years and Scary Close were literal life changers for me. As you'll hear in this show, Donald started out as a pure writer, but to get his message out, he had to learn to run a stellar business. So today, he pulls in tens of millions of dollars and has turned his attention to helping other people get their messages and art out by learning business. Uh, before coming on the show, he told me, he said, I believe everyone deserves access to life-changing business education. And as you'll hear, he believes his methodology with his new business made simple platform is more valuable than an Ivy League MBA. And I'll tell you, it is impressive as he did so brilliantly in his earlier books with a personal message. He's boiled down and refined the essence of business in a way I've just not seen before. Uh, you can find Donald at businessmadesimple.com. I'm Kevin Miller. I'm so privileged to host three podcasts that have now surpassed 50 million downloads. They're all for people who want to truly grow and change and find fulfillment and joy in their lives. Well, this podcast is The Ziggler Show, where we focus on your professional development and succeeding in your career and business. Every week, I talk with people who have had great professional success doing something they truly care about that serves others. I also have a weekly session with my co-host, Tom Ziegler, where we take and discuss listener comments and ultimately bring you episodes that showcase what really equips you for lasting success in your work. In my motive podcast, we get to the root of our desires, our reasons, our motives fuel everything we do. And when we become aware of what they truly are and are not, we make drastic leaps forward. In the latest episode, number 19, if you want to learn how personal relationships work, listen to The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you want to hear what makes our world's elite tick and how you can apply it to your life, listen to The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you want to learn about Jordan Harbinger himself, his personal story, what makes him tick? Listen to my show with him, episode 19 of the Motive Podcast. In the True Life Podcast, we address your health and wellness. I mean, you are the vehicle for all you do. And if your body and mind are compromised, so are all of your efforts. In the latest episode, number 62, we dig into diabetes. Over 50% of Americans now have pre-diabetes or diabetes. And in this show, you're going to get clarity on what you can do to safeguard yourself and your family from being at risk. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. Well, Don, I've been uh, aware of, following, a fan of for as long as I can remember. Uh, back, I remember when somebody gave me Blue Light Jazz. What was that? It was like 2003-ish. It was published, yeah, something that's like a, that? Yeah, you, yeah. I, okay. I, I wasn't sure myself, but as soon as you said it, that's Well, I probably right. did my homework, and now I'm <laughs> dredging it back up here. But, you know, I knew you from back then, and my gosh, a million miles in a thousand years. I bought cases of those. I gave them to members and a business that I was running at that time, helping people find businesses that they wanted to pursue. And I gave away that book. We, uh, My wife spent the summer talking through the kids with them, and it led to us doing some family adventures and uh, a lot of history that I have with you as a lot of your readers do. But uh, here you are now with business made simple, yeah. 18 years have passed. And of course, you know, story brand, I think that's the last time I had you on the show in November of, of uh, 2017 was talking about story brand. And I went through, I went through something and my dad, Dan Miller uh, yeah. went, went through a small group with you on that. 
just a quick encapsulation. What takes you from these personal memoirs of blue like jazz to now business made simple as your primary vocational focal point? Well, you know, I, I wrote probably seven memoirs. You know, I call them memoirs. They're yeah. really more of just reflections through the lens of a memoir. And, and they did really well. The, the publisher wanted another one. And I just didn't have anything left, Kevin. I mean, you know, I didn't, there was no more stories. Uh, and, and also, I think if you write your eighth memoir, you're a clinical narcissist. <laughs> I, I just want to be a regular narcissist. I don't want to be a clinical narcissist. <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so I, um, I pivoted. I had done a little, uh, a little project for Accenture where I, where I wrote a project management system using the elements of narrative that I'd studied to be a writer that they really loved that. And then down the road, I thought, gosh, you know, the elements of narrative, the elements of story really work to help you filter a marketing message, which I had practiced with my own conference company. And so I created that framework, didn't give it to Accenture. I just wrote a book on it. Well, that book sold half a million copies and launched basically a marketing and messaging education company. Well, my company went from zero dollars to sixteen and a half million dollars in about five years. We'll do twenty million this year. So, in order to in order to in order to scale that marketing and messaging company, which was basically an education company, I had to learn execution. I had to learn cash flow. I had to learn business strategy. I had to learn management. I had to learn negotiation. Uh, you know, I had to learn all of these these core competencies. And then uh, while that was happening and I was learning these things, I kept, you know, reading books, looking for help, trying different things. Uh, I would hire people, you know, even people with Harvard degrees. And what I found was they didn't know anything either. Mm -hmm. And so I, I quickly realized business school is not actually teaching you how to grow a business. So I started creating online courses at Business Made Simple University, teaching everybody the things that I had figured out. And business made simple is the accumulation of that knowledge. So it's it's 60 daily entries. You pour a cup of coffee, you read a daily entry. I email you 60 times while you're reading the book. Yeah. I email you 65 to 10 minute videos as a video backup for what you just read in that entry. And I use a lot of animation. I use micro learning. And I, I really believe that for $15, you get a better actual practical business education with this book than you would getting an MBA. Well, I want to ask about that, but just on you doing this, it's of interest to me. I come from the business world. Now, I don't have any, I just barely made it out of high school, but I grew up with an entrepreneur. Business is all that I've yeah. known. And in my experience, I'm going to put you over here. You know, I appreciate Seth Godin saying we all have art. You know, and I, I have right, art, yeah. but if I put it over here in what we think of as art, the visual arts, you know, the, and, and music and writing and put you over here, I would say statistic, statistically, uh, you guys are the worst at business. Uh, if I take <laughs> artists, you know, with the, the, be the better yeah. their art, the worse they are at business. So it's interesting. I see you coming at things differently. And I guess I give a little bit of an assumption that it's because of that. You did not come from this at a business angle. You're teaching business. You didn't start over here. Yeah. From a business perspective, you started over here from an, I'm going to put it as an art, uh, an offering. Yeah. I would say I was much more until I was 30 years old. Uh, I'm 49 now. I was much more interested in literature than anything else. Yeah. And the one thing though, that I took from writing all those books is you know, when you write books, you sit there and you look at a, uh, and you know this, you look at a blinking cursor and you've got to figure out what to say. And 
if if a writer can figure out how to in real time read their words from the reader's perspective not their own mm. they become very good communicators uh, you learn an economy of language you learn to to land a point you learn to hook the reader well, that translated really well into creating marketing messages and copywriting uh, but the other thing that you actually learn is to figure out as you're writing that book what is profitable what hmm. what is going to be valuable to the reader on this page what do they get out of this page and that translates into an ability to figure out uh, what's profitable and how we use our time. And, you know, an employee will come to me, a team member will come to me and say, Don, you know, these are my three priorities. And it's really intuitive for me to say, you know, two of them are actually priorities. One of them is not. If you work on that, that is not a, an actual profitable thing to work on in terms of where we're going. So, so it, it translated actually amazingly well. You, you have to have a controlling idea when you write a book. You have to have a controlling idea when you run a company. You have to know what's profitable and valuable in a book. You have to know what's profitable and valuable in a company. You also have to manage your time. I mean, I write this morning. I was up at 2.45 a.m. to start the day because I have to get my writing done early, early in the morning and make sure my priority tasks are done, which is always writing and content creation. And at 9 a.m., I've got other meetings I've got to be at. So, you know, you, you figure out how to use your time really, really well. And, you know, not every, every writer figures out the business side of things, but for whatever reason I did, and, you know, it, it's been a useful education, although an alternative education, figuring out how to make money and impact lives. What is the advocacy for business uh, you know, that you find? I mean, is it something that you did you come to a point of realizing you desired that for people? Is it one of those, you know, just the personal testimony? Here's the you know, guy that weighed 500 pounds. He lost weight. He wants to help other people lose weight. And yeah. here you are with that. And you wanted to help other people. Is it as simple as that? Is there a deeper yeah, it, you know, it, it's as simple as that, but, you know, you dig into it, it's a little more complex. I grew up very poor. Uh, my mother never made more than a living wage, not until she was probably in her 60s and I was long out of the house. You know, we stood in line for government cheese. We couldn't afford to buy clothes, so my mother sewed my clothes, which meant I was, I was bullied at school. Uh, you know, I was a latchkey kid. Mom didn't get home until about 7 p.m., so we basically raised ourselves and that led to all sorts of habits. And, you know, my mother is a, hero, a heroic. She was a heroic human being. Uh, I, have a, I have a real heart for single moms, uh, but it, it's a hard way to grow up. And so I think I grew up with a chip on my shoulder. And, and a lot of the motivation was trying to prove that I was actually somebody, which ended up being massively beneficial. You know, it could have gone either way. But, you know, I was able to leverage that chip on my shoulder and hook a trailer to it and haul myself out of poverty. So, uh, you know, developed a really strong work ethic. Yeah, that, we'll, that's we'll, part of it. We'll unpack that in the motive podcast. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, you know, the, you know, that was, that's my backstory. Uh, but the, the other thing is that as I succeeded as a writer, people would come up to me and say, Hey, you know, the spiritual principle or this philosophical idea you unpacked in this book really changed my life. That, that was like satisfying to hear, but it's also not a measurable idea that I can say, well, on a scale of one to 10, how to change your life or, you know, how do we measure that? Wow. What I found was when I actually gave business advice to a young entrepreneur starting a company and, you know, within a year, they were making $150,000 profit. And I knew for a fact that 
if they hadn't done what I asked them to do, they would have been, they would have been making out 20. Yeah. Um, that's a, those are metrics that are measurable. And I found that in terms of, um, of adding to my identity and my self-esteem, being able to measure the impact I'm having on people's lives was very satisfying. And, and it's very hard for me to say after seven memoirs that were Christian in nature, uh, it's very hard for me to say whether those seven memoirs had as much impact as the, the three business books that I've written now. Uh, because I, I know what these business books are doing. They're giving people the information to build companies, to provide jobs, health care. People are moving into better neighborhoods. They're buying better houses. Their kids are going to better schools. Uh, they're being more generous uh, in their giving. You know, uh, I, 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 even though I, I spent time at Reed College, which is arguably the most godless campus in the country and certainly leans communist, uh, I came out of there a capitalist. Yeah. And uh, capitalism, I think, has uh, its greedy, evil tenants in places. Uh, but but it's also been the best economic experiment in the history of the world to reduce poverty. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very much for small businesses becoming whatever they want to become, but hopefully large businesses employing a lot of people. So I want to talk about, yeah, and your evolution there, even right now, I mean, as of your book, uh, Business Made Simple, which I'll hold up for those watching the video, uh, just launched a few days ago, but you have rebranded your entire company around that. So you went, if I'm correct, you went from the story brand right. uh, as your branding and positioning to now business made simple. What's the evolution and difference there? Well, story brand is a, is now a subsidiary of business made simple. So okay. basically we had a, a store, a company called story brand. It was a marketing and messaging education company. And when we added everything else, we were no longer just talking about marketing messaging. We we're talking about everything. So, uh, so business made simple is the mothership. Marketing made simple is the marketing brand. Management and execution is obvious. Uh, you know, money made simple uh, is is another train of thought that we're going down. Leadership made simple. We now own. Uh, you know, so it's going to become the made simple company of business education. And so this book is the first. And, and, the, and changing the name of the podcast is the way to do that. It brings up a whole other interesting conversation. You know, I talk to companies all the time and say, you probably should have called your company something different. And then we have a conversation about whether or not it's too late to change the name. Because obviously, you know, if you've got so much sunk cost into a name and the public recognizes you and you've been successful, it's very hard to earn that. So changing a name might be counterproductive. For us, you know, we weighed that option as a business decision. Uh, we knew we needed this book to do extremely well in order to change the public perception of who we are. And so far, our plan has is, is, is been executed well, and it's working extremely well. We're only about four days in, but this book has sold twice as many copies as any other book I've ever released. Well, that's a, re so, uh, that's a relevant uh, point to bring out if you've got X business, and the business is the brand. Right. Uh, as opposed to a, if I can say, a personality-driven business. Right. People know you. I would think that that behooves itself to be able to make a shift like that when you're still the common denominator. Yeah, and, and that's what we're trying to, to, to slowly figure out over the next three years. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse because I put my names on books. They become bestsellers. That gives us a lot of attention but at the same time, if I ever go to sell the company or want to expand the company larger than me, you know, it, it limits our, our potential. So what I hope to do is use my name and my, and my abilities out there almost like a booster rocket. 
where at some point that rocket is going to break from the ship and the ship's going to do the rest of the work. And, and that's the intention that, you know, 10 years from now, people will remember Donald Miller as the founder of Business Made Simple, but they'll get, be getting enormous amounts of value from all the other offerings that Business Made Simple uh, has. And, and Donald Miller will be a minor name. Well, and that reminds me, I mean, the last time I had Dave Ramsey on, he talked about and having some of these success, uh, these uh, discussions on evolution, where it's going to go. He said, man, my, my focus right now is succession. How can yep. this last sure. as the Dave Ramsey ship without Dave Ramsey? And of course he's been doing that well by bringing up these other personalities, his kids and other folks. And, uh, yeah, interesting. So you talk, you mentioned it at the beginning about comparing this book, this methodology, this teaching to a degree, a formal education. Mm -hmm. uh, just yesterday, I did a show, we kind of did a special show with my dad, Dan Miller, who, who you know. And yep. one of the things we got to talking about, you know, just the changes from COVID and now everybody's home and realizing how much they can do education-wise online instead of going face-to-face. -face. And if that's the case, do they need to go spend 30 grand a year at a you know, college to, to do that now that they're not even going face to face and what's going to change there. And here you are over here and you made multiple references in the book to this, you know, 60 day course, as opposed to tens of thousands of dollars for that MBA, which you cited kids are coming out with, they've got an MBA and they do not know how to do business, which is tragic. Well, I mean, well, there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, you know, first is what they're teaching is antiquated in many cases, and it's not applicable. I mean, you know, they're, teach, they're preparing you to do two things. One is to uh, turn around and teach business, which almost nobody in the class is going to do. They're going to they're teach business. They're going to go do business. Uh, and they're, they're also, uh, you know, preparing you to be chairman of the treasury, which one person will do every eight years yeah. or four years. So, you know, to me, it's just like, I, I don't understand uh, where they're coming from, you know, this is, these are general, uh, this is general shade, if sure. you will, toward the university system. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, if my kids come to me and say, dad, we're not going to go to college. You didn't go to college and look at you. I, I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a very serious conversation. I'm going to say, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to be a nurse? Then you're going to go to college. And I, and I have some colleges that I love that, that I'd love for you to see. Of course, it's their choice. Uh, you know, do you want to be a lawyer? Would, you know, the university system is what, what you're going to do. If you want to go go into business, especially as an entrepreneur, uh, I, I do. I, it's very tough to make a business case for actually going to college. I, what I'd rather do is have you intern or get an entry level position uh, at a company that will develop you. And what I'm hoping is that corporations start realizing that they are going to have to compete with the university system, uh, that, that Amazon is going to have to become an internal university. And Google already is, by the way, an internal university. And Amazon, by the way, just, just, uh, just committed tens of millions of dollars to creating an education platform inside their company and no longer require a bachelor degree to work there. Oh, beautiful. So, so the disruption in the university system is not coming from me. It's coming from corporate America. But what corporate America needs, especially small to medium companies, is a plug and play way to develop their people in order to become a university themselves. And so what I created was a way that you could just put a book on every single desk in your office and let me do the rest because I will develop everybody in that organization for pennies on the dollar. 
Hey, you are listening to The Ziggler Show, and I thank you. Uh, and this episode with Donald Miller is significant. And we're talking, of course, about his message, his platform, his new book that's currently ranked in the top 500 book sales in Amazon right now, Business Made Simple. And next, we talk about why Don's first focus for a successful business is the person. He says, no core competency can overcome bad character. I'm going to share some great resources with you. Then we'll get right back to my talk with Donald Miller. Developing people. And I mean, of course, I was interested in the book because it's you. But in getting into it, you're singing my song. You start off with the person. Uh, Even in the beginning, I think it was even in the intro. I mean, I was writing notes like mad, even just in the intro. I had my show ready, I think, before I got into the chapters. You started off with, you know, core character traits. No core competency can overcome bad character. I mean, the book that my kids have studied uh, the most, of course, I've filled them full of Ziegler stuff. But in all truth, it's how to win friends and influence people. It's those what were being called soft skills, I'm grateful to hear people talking now that are, they're necessary skills, but I think we have them less than ever. And one of your lines right off there was, it's not what you know or what you can do, but who you are. I, I don't think we can scream that one loud enough. And you start off the book focusing just on those core competencies that, as you said, anyone can learn those. Anyone can learn them. And, and the 10 that I start out with actually came from me spending time with some really successful people. I got to spend time with President Obama. I got to spend time with Michelle Obama. got to spend a little time with members of the judiciary. got to spend time with Pete Carroll, an NFL coach. You know, some people who are just who, who experienced extreme success. And what, what I noticed they had in common is not what you think. Uh, it wasn't things like integrity, although they were all integritable. That, those weren't the important character traits, because I think you can be integritable and still be a bad economic investment. Uh, and if you're not integritable, there's a place for you. It's called prison. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know if I need to cover integrity. If you, if you don't have integrity, you, you really shouldn't be in the workforce, period. You know, it was different things. It was things like they saw themselves as an economic investment and they wanted to give people an economic return on that investment. If you really want to know, day one of the book and the first video of the book uh, is, all, is all you really need to know to actually succeed. And it's this. Be a great economic investment. If somebody gives you a paycheck, fight to give them a 10x return on that investment. You say, Tom, why should the owner get 10x and I get one tenth? Well, because the owner has to pay rent, health care, insurance. Uh, they, they're going to have to deal with potential lawsuits. Uh, they've got to pay all the rest of overhead. They have to pay the, over, the, the salaries. So at the end of distribution, really, what you're really doing is doing a profit split with them. You're getting half of what they make out of you, and they're getting the other half. Now, the key is to actually make them more money, and then you have leverage with which to negotiate a higher salary. And you say, well, Don, you know, you, you just want me to be a pawn for the man. You know, I own the company, and if I'm not a good economic investment for my customers, they will go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So me of all people has to be a great economic investment. In fact, you know, I charge, I don't do this very often, but five or six times a year, I'll charge, you know, what I would consider, especially having grown up poor, an an absolutely enormous amount of money to spend a day talking about your messaging and your marketing. It's more money than my mother ever made in a year. I'll, I'll charge that for a day. But I'll also say to whoever wants to pay me that, I'll say, look, 
if I don't give you a 10x return on what you paid me within 12 months, we're just going to use the honor system. If you don't make 10 times what you paid me because of what we did together, I want to give you your money back. I, I, I don't need the money. I want to write you a check. And here's what I'm really saying. And I tell them this. I said, I will give you all the money back so that you will never say to anybody, Donald Miller is a bad investment because I'm obsessed with being a good investment. So the first thing we're going to do is going to try to turn it into a good investment if there's a problem. Uh, but, you know, I've done this, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 times now. Nobody's ever asked for their money back. And, and if you have that attitude toward your employer, two things are going to happen. One is they, they're going to have to give you raises in order to keep you. And another thing is going to happen is that when you realize you are your own company and you're a free agent on the open market and you can go wherever you want, you now have the experience at this company to go to another company and actually leverage that experience for more money. So I love that my, my 28 employees see themselves as free agents. Yeah. And not only do they compete to work at my company, if they're good, I have to turn around and compete to keep them. And to me, that's the tension that exists within capitalism that is so very beautiful. People who don't like that kind of talk the reason they don't like it is because they don't feel like they're in charge yeah. or have any control of their economic value. You know, it, there's a number, Kevin, floating above each of our heads. That number is $15 an hour, $30 an hour, $50 an hour. If your skill set is that you can carve up a potato and drop it into hot grease for three minutes and pull it up, you are worth $15 an hour. Now, let me give you some, let me be really clear on this. God sees you as priceless. Your spouse sees you as priceless. Your kid sees you as priceless. Donald Miller sees you as a beautiful, priceless human being. The market sees you as $15 an hour. Make no mistake about it. Because if you walk into a McDonald's and say, every employee in this company is going to make $150 an hour, McDonald's will be bankrupt within a month. Because they're not getting a return on that investment. But you take that same kid who's worth $15 an hour, they know how to make French fries. You say, okay, I'm going to teach you how to align a team around a mission statement and guiding principles. And then I'm going to teach you how to run a management and execution system. And what that's going to do is it's going to turn you into the manager of this McDonald's. And uh, you're going to make $150,000 a year. Uh, so you, you went from $15 an hour to $75 an hour. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and teach you business strategy, how a business works like an airplane. And if you run out of fuel, the plane's going to crash and fuel represents cash flow. So let's talk about how to fly an airplane without running out of fuel. Let's talk about running a business without running out of cash flow. At that point, you're actually equipped to be the CEO of a small company. Yeah. You might make $300,000 a year. You know, and then if you learn, uh, if you learn negotiation skills, if you learn sales, if you learn messaging, if you learn marketing, if you learn communication uh, the communication framework that's in Business Made Simple, which costs $15, was actually developed for one of the largest airlines in America. I just share it with you for free. We developed it for them. Yeah. So you learn that, and you're learning the thing that a major airline paid us millions of dollars to figure out. And, and so my hope with the book is that people would read 60 entries, they would watch 60 videos, and every single time they did that, the number above their head would grow. Now, the reality is it doesn't grow by knowing things. It grows by activating those things inside a workplace and actually positively proving you can get a return on the paycheck that's been invested in you. I just want to make that really, really easy. My, my hope with this book was to actually give leverage back to the labor pool 
so they could become worth more and actually demand more on the open market. I want to come back to that. I'm going to call it taking ownership, being an owner, no matter you know what position yeah, there you go. Yeah. That, that you're in. However, when you talk about that, let's go back to the French fry, you know, kid who they know how to do that. It's a $15 an hour job. Now you get the one over here who says, man, I'm the greatest coder on planet earth. I should make, you know, X amount and whatever. And I'm going to come back to your statement again, that, you know, it's not what you know or what you can do, but who you are. And, you know, with you, because I have read, especially a million miles in a thousand years, I, I so, got so much out of that book. I use the analogies that you gave from movie writing, you know, from the scripts, uh, you know, good movies, a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. So we talk, that's that's common vernacular, you know, in my home, but now we, but I'm enamored by movies because of how they, of what they depict and what we're attracted to. And, you know, the superhero stuff and and whatever, I'm so aware of how often we have that movie that glorifies the superstar, some kid, let's say, who's massively brilliant in this area, but he's socially adept and how they, they harness that. And I thought, you know, it makes for a good movie, but I've never enjoyed that in my real life. I've never hired somebody who was totally brilliant at something and was socially inept. They didn't have a whole lot of, as you said, integrity, or they didn't know how to connect with another person. I've not seen it work. So I see, to me, it feels like a, a, a disconnect of we're glorifying this in our movies. It's fun to watch that unique thing happen. Uh, this kid with, you know, out of the ghetto with this great gift, but I don't see that often taking place in the workplace. I, I would give that kid up for somebody who has lesser ability that has some integrity that can connect with people that actually is kind. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, this was 10 years ago or so. There, there's a, um, uh, uh, an actor named Seth Rogen, and I believe that's his name, Seth Rogen. And um, he plays, consistently plays, a sort of lovable loser pothead in movie after movie after movie. You know, he's sitting around, he's a little bit overweight, his apartment's disheveled. And, and I had a friend say, you know, he was sort of living this way, and I kind of said, man, I think you need to kind of shape up and and uh, take responsibility for your life. And he says, well, you know, it works for Seth Rogen. And I said, I, I, want, I, want, you, I, want, to, I want you to really understand something. You got you to hear me here. Seth Rogen is playing a character, but Seth Rogen shows up on time to that movie set. He yeah. shows up with the script ready. He's been coached. He's been in the gym working out. He doesn't shave for a couple days. I, I, want, you, I want to be really clear. If Seth Rogen were the character he was playing, he w- you wouldn't know who Seth Rogen is. Yeah. So don't fall for it for a second. You've, you've got to actually take responsibility uh, and own your own agency, have an internal locus of control, and, uh, and take responsibility for the machine that you're walking around in that is your human body and personality. And make sure it has an impact on the world. And, and to me, that's how you enjoy life. Absolutely. You, you know, coming back to ownership, then if the, we have so many people who are small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they got a side gig, whatnot, uh, in this audience. And of course they're going to understand that, but now let's come over to the employees. And you kind of mentioned that aspect where they may feel like they do not, they may feel like they don't have the bandwidth, the opportunity, the leash to take ownership where they are. Mm-hmm. And they feel they're hearing this. I said, sounds great, Don. I don't know how to do that in the capacity of the role that I am in as an employee in XYZ company? Well, again, the book will guide you through some of this, but you really want to a, a position at a company uh, in which you can learn and grow 
And I would say that if a company, if you're just a cog in a wheel and you, they aren't developing you, you know, uh, certainly consider your options about where else you can go because you are your own company and you are a free agent on the open market. And I would, I would equate you to, um, you know, a, a second string quarterback that has all sorts of talent. Uh, you know, Alex Smith is now the quarterback of the Washington Redskins, had an amazing comeback. He was quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, and this young kid came up called Patrick Mahomes. And uh, after one year, the Chiefs figured it out. Patrick Mahomes is our starting quarterback. Well, Alex Smith is an incredible quarterback. So what did he do? He negotiated a transfer to another team, ended up with the Washington Football Club. And, um, and it, that's what you need to do. You need to, what you're saying to me is, Don, I'm a first string quarterback, but they got me in second string. I don't have any control over my career. And I would say to you, you're not a slave. You know, juice up your resume, increase your skill set, make a business case for why somebody else should hire you. In other words, clearly explain to them in the, in the interview how you're going to give them a dynamic return on their investment and go get another job. Yeah. I, you talk again, right at the beginning of the book, 10 core, and I'm still on the, you know, the person, the, who they are, 10 core competencies. Well, actually to unpack that, you know, we could take, uh, the rest of the day for this show to go through the entire book. We're going to, not going to do that yeah. folks. Go, go, go by the book. Uh, as far as business, I'm, I'm going to hone in on the personal side of it primarily. And you talk about the 10 core competencies that will make or save the company money. First off, looking at that, this is the Ziegler quote, you know, you can have everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. So if you come in That's right. and you're going to help your employees or your employer, how can you save or make them money? And then you've got this list of 10 things. And as I looked at that, you know, they know how the business really works. They act like an owner. They're, they're clear and a compelling leader. They're personally productive. They know how to clarify a message. They understand how to build a marketing campaign. They can sell. They're great communicators. They're good negotiators. They're a good manager. They know how to run an execute uh, an execution system. So I look at those, man, I get that. That's a tall order. I could feel, I could see people feeling overwhelmed. Actually, I feel overwhelmed a little bit by that. Cause I look at that and go, dude, I am not a good manager. Um, <laughs> I, I, and I, and I'm not, I'm not, and I really don't want to be a good manager now. And so I'm going to pose this to you just to get your you know, perspective and speak to that. Are you, because I know you walk through this in the book on how to do those things. Well, now on the manager side, that is a difficult area for me just to pick one out, but I figured out ways. Well, and I'll, I'll say manager, I'm also really bad with the finances, just with money. Numbers are just uh, hieroglyphics to me. And I'm a words guy. Well, I look at that. Well, I can't just say I am what I am. If I'm going to own a business, I've got in a successful business. I've got to address those things. I have brought other people in who know how to do those. So if somebody says, are you a good manager? I say, no, I'm not personally, but I have hired people so that good management happens in my company. So I ask that question. So as you go down those 10 things, is there some room for you need to do that well, or you need to make sure that's done. You lead having that quality done. Is that, is that a fair yeah, question? Yeah, both. Yeah. I'm a big fan of staffing your liabilities. Mm. Figure out good what you're term. not good at and hire somebody to do it. Okay. So somebody else actually runs my execution system, but I have a comprehensive knowledge of how that execution system works. And, and, and I understand. And if I had to, I could go somewhere and I could run it. I, I, that's not what I do. It's not the best use for me. It's kind of like the quarterback playing a, a cornerback. You know, it's not going to it's not going to work quite as well. Yeah. But I do want to know how the cornerback does their job. Uh, but the other thing I will say is that, 
you know, one of the reasons that, uh, that we often say, well, I'm not good at that is actually because we don't have a simple enough system or an understanding of a system that would make us competent. We tend to like things that we're competent at. Sure. And, you know, Kevin, I, I would assure you 100% that, you know, within about six months, you might actually really love execution and management. Uh, if you just, you know, if you, if you learn this system. Uh, so I think it's, you know, one of the, the last, the 10th characteristic is have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. Yeah. So a growth mindset, uh, a fixed mindset says, I'm not good at math. A growth mindset says, I could be really good at math. I've chosen not to study that because I want to study something else. There, there you go. Yeah. Right. And so, and so I know you're a growth mindset guy. You know, I, I was the same way about finances. I mean, I look at a profit and loss statement and, you know, I understand it. It's not confusing to me. I get it. It doesn't help me make any decisions. Mm -hmm. So I actually had to create a whole other way of looking at the numbers that I'm hooked on. I absolutely love it. And I've built a, a $16.5 million company just using that system. And it, it works fantastically well. Uh, so I had to find ways to get good at things and understand that I could get good at them. Uh, but I would say one of the great things about the book is the book prepares you to be a value driven professional, which means yeah. you're driven to create value. If I were to use the NFL analogy, it actually, it actually helps you become a head coach. You, you just know how the whole team works. Now you may specialize in offense or defense, but you understand how the whole team works. And if you want to move up the ladder in terms of management, you should more or less know what everybody in this building is doing because you're if because the CEO is going to have to make decisions about every single department. So I hope the book prepares you for to move up that ladder very quickly. Well, you talked a minute ago about the responsibility or opportunity of corporations to be giving people the education as opposed to the colleges, especially the business, you know, schools. And you just said their company, you know, understanding how the whole team works. You know, I feel like we have deviated so far away from that. I mean, you know that in the corporate, bigger the corporation, especially people are so far, often so far removed from any other part of the country, even from the end product or service or customer that benefits from yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. And companies I have not found, now I'm not involved with them at the, at the level that you are, but I'm not used to hearing testimony even of companies doing that, of saying, hey, here you are, here's your role. This is what you specifically do. But to do it well and to serve us well, you need to know what's going on everywhere. I don't hear that happening out there in the culture much. Maybe you're seeing that, or maybe that's just what you are trying to inspire them to do. I don't think it's been easy for them to do that. I think when you look at the learning and development uh, opportunities that you have as, let's say, you're the, the chief learning officer at a company, you know, your choices are create a $1.5 million internal platform and then put teachers within the organization into that platform to teach the basic skills that you know the workforce needs. These people are not good on camera. These people have never taught anything. So what you just spent is $1.5 million to, to, to give people videos that they're going to hit play on, turn down the volume, surf the Internet until it ends and shows that they watch the video. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think the system need to be reinvented. Not only that, you know, if you want to learn about teams, you go to Patrick Lincioni in Oakland. 
You want to learn about uh, management, you go to, to Ken Blanchard out in San Diego. You want to work crucial conversations, you go to Vital Smarts out in Provo, Utah. You know, you, you, on and on and on. You know, it, it's so uh, antiquated and fractured that it, 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 it just needs to be made easier for corporations. So what we did is we put this together, this book. The book is $15 on Amazon. And if you buy more than 20 copies, you can go to transformmyteam.com. And I'll send you a keynote to show to all of your employees that will completely motivate them to take responsibility for their lives and their career and make you more money. And so, so if you go to transformateam.com, do that. They pay $15. 60 days later, they've just spent 60 consecutive days micro-learning how to be a better professional, how to go from amateur to pro. That alone will make you enormous amounts of money and them money. Uh, and then uh, from there, if they want, they can get a subscription to Business Made Simple University. It's $275 a year as opposed to $30,000 a year. Uh, I think we do a better job teaching the deep dive. And from there, you can actually hire a coach and get into a small group in somebody's living room and personally in person learn uh, how to how to be a, a value driven professional and how to run a business. Uh, so to me, you know, we, we've built a system that I think uh, competes not only with the university system, but with the learning and development system, the professional culture of learning and development. I think we've built that. And uh, and I, I hope it works for a lot of people. It seems to be. Well, and, you, you know, and in the book and in those resources you just gave, you are I mean, one of your tenets in the book is you need to understand how business works from yes. A to Z to understand that. Now, again, prior to that, foundationally, and I'm expecting that you put it sequentially for that reason, back to this value driven professional. And I, I actually wrote them out. I'm not going to read through them all uh, here, but you've got 10 uh, headlines here for how to be a value driven professional. And looking at those well, you said that going from an amateur to a pro. I mean, this is personal development. Well, I'm not going to, it's not going to say 101. It's not, it's graduate level. It's becoming a, a whole healthy human because to do those, to, to hit some of those value uh, driven professional attributes that you put out there takes some healthy self-awareness, awareness and confidence. Somebody who's got their self-image in check. And it takes practice. Well, wow, Okay. You know, you, you can read the book and watch the videos and that's great, but you know, one of the great, one of the, another problem with the university system is they're teaching people business skills at the wrong time. Hmm. And it's almost impossible to teach them at the right time, right? Because once you go off to, to your professional career for five years, that's when you need business school. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you were 19 years old, you were thinking more about finding a mate or what's going to happen on the football field this weekend than you were about business because you had no need to understand business in order to make money. Your parents or, or scholarship is paying your way. This is the absolute wrong time to teach business. So I think if you, if you get this book and you're in a professional position, you're sitting at a desk and showing up at an office every day, uh, you are going to be a sponge because you can actually sit there and say, wait, I have to give a speech tomorrow at this meeting. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use this four part, a formula that Don put in this book, and you're going to get a standing ovation in that meeting. And at the end of the year, when they're considering who to get raise, who to give raises to, and who to give a full uh, allotment of their bonus, they're going to give that to you. And when that department is is in need of somebody to run it, they're going to remember that speech. And 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 so when you actually get rewarded for applying what you just learned about business in real time, it motivates you to keep learning. 
So the workplace is the best place to study business, the best place. And uh, that's why I think this book is, is, is so valuable. I do too. Um, you know, in that list of 10 attributes for being a value driven professional, the second one is one of the ones that I, I would say that I'm focused in on culturally more mm-hmm. than anything is they see themselves as a hero and not a victim. Back to story brand, which, you know, I, I think again, it was three years ago or so that I had you on. Uh, talking there, that was very impacting to me on even just looking at the website, you know, or am I focused, is my client or customer, am I making them the hero or is this about me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we're back to the hero aspect. And then on the aspect of leadership that you talked about in the book, which uh, hit me again, it's one of those things, it's an understanding that uh, it's something I know, but I, I veer away from it. And I think I have, again, where you invite the team into a story. And I'm thinking the hero story. How are we as a company a hero to these people? That's the story. What are we doing and explaining that? Man, I fall away from that with my staff, you know, with the folks that I work with. I'm focused on the objective. objective. The story is paramount to me. But am I taking the time? This maybe comes back to the management issue, you know, but this hero uh, perspective on all fronts is uh, I, I could take it's worth the price of admission. Can I say that? Uh, I think. Well, yeah, that, it's been the it's been the entry in the book that's gotten the most attention. Huh. And really what I explain in the book is what it costs you to be a victim. Huh. And, and in stories, victims do not transform. They do not get rewarded. The, the, the victim is a bit bit part in stories and the victim yeah. uh, exists in the movie to make the hero look good and the villain look bad. So when you play the victim, uh, feel sorry for yourself, place blame for your, your mistakes on somebody else, uh, feel hopeless, uh, you have to understand you're not, you're not going to transform and you're not going to be rewarded for this kind of behavior. Yeah. A hero, on the other hand, uh, moves into conflict. They have a clear uh, objection. Uh, they, they face challenges, even though they don't want to and they're afraid to do it, they do it. Uh, and at the end of the day, they accomplish a very difficult task. Now, the reality is those four characters, hero, victim, villain, guide, those are the four characters in a story. The reason those four characters exist in a story is because they actually exist in you and me, not because some people are victims and some people are heroes. Nobody, that's not how the world works. We all have all four characteristics. So the idea is that the more you act like a hero, the more your story will end up the way heroes' stories end up in movies. You'll be bloodied and punched in the face, but you're going to get the girl and you're going to be rewarded, right? <laughs> or she's going to get the job and take her jerk boss's job who's right. been pretending that he's been doing the work when really she has. That's a good story. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you act like the villain and what villains do is they seek vengeance and, you, you know, you act like the villain and your story is going to end up the way villains end up in stories and that is dead or in jail. Uh, if you act like the guide and you can only play the guide after you've played the hero, there's, you can't go straight to guide. You have to play the hero in order to become the guide. The, the guide is the person who's already conquered their demons. They've won the day and now they're turning around and helping other he, uh, heroes win the day. So as a brand and a leader, you want to play the guide. Uh, as a human being, you want to play the hero. Uh, you see, you sort of play different roles at different times and the, you know, the rewards and um, uh, are enormous now, now, we all play the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guide every day. 
you know, if I skip lunch and work through it, I'm going to be so moody that I'm definitely either going to be a victim or a villain. I got to eat lunch. Yeah. Uh, but if the more time I spend playing the hero and the guide, the better my life will go. It's guaranteed. The more time I spend playing the villain or the victim, the worse my life will go. It's guaranteed. So what you want to ask yourself is when, you know, you're in an argument with your wife or your kids are being unruly. You want to say, what would the hero do? What would the guy do? Because if not, you're going to accidentally trip and become the villain for about an hour. And it's going to, there's going to be consequences to that behavior. Well, I think that thread of hero throughout from, from back in your memoirs, you know, even up through story brand and, and to now has stuck with me because, well, goodness, uh, my family, God bless them, really advocated that I read scary close. <laughs> because it's uh, so much of my story and, and a lot of me playing the hero in an unhealthy way. And yet today it is what motivates me. The section in your book talking about productivity is to be, you know, being a hero on a mission. It's the only thing that keeps me productive. Otherwise I am looking for distractions. I adore distractions. Yeah. Uh, that's what keeps is again, that hero mentality and that thread was such a hook and an anchor for me has always been with you, but in this book, it comes out again. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, the, the recurring theme of, of all my work at the end of my life. In fact, the next, the next book is called Hero on a Mission. Oh, okay. And it explains, uh, it, it explains Victor Frankl's logotherapy through the perspective of a narrative lens, which has been life-changing for me. It's been the uh, greatest thing I've ever discovered was Victor Frankl's uh, ideas on how to experience a life of meaning. And, um, and, and so I, I keep coming back to this, this metaphor of victim, villain, hero, guide. And, and, I, and I spend one day in the book and, 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 and give you a video. Uh, I think it's day two uh, of the book. Uh, and, uh, but to me, it's the most foundational idea I've ever come across. It's what inspires me. It's what takes the book beyond just a, you know something that's going to teach me how to do X, Y, Z, but it inspires me with the perspective that you've been teaching for a long time in this, you know, what makes a good story. And uh, yeah. nobody's listening to this right now that does not want to, to lead a good story. I mean, I, I'm grateful for you putting this thing out. I'm a continued uh, fan and advocate of it. I'm grateful to bring this to folks because... It's so highly needed. And the first person it's going to is my kids, my older kids. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you. I'm so glad. And uh, thanks for being here again with us. My absolute pleasure. It's an honor to be with you. Okay, friends, again, you can find Donald Miller at businessmadesimple.com. And his book, Business Made Simple, is available wherever you find books. Coming up in episode 862, I asked for those of you in business for yourself, whether full-time making millions or a side hustle making a buck or two, where are you strongest in your business and where are you weakest? Well, Tom Ziegler and I talked through the course varied responses and as always, just so poignant to hear from people walking it out in real life. Again, find this show, all my shows at kevinmiller.co. You can also watch them on YouTube. Just look for Kevin Miller CEO. Well, till the next episode, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.